Welcome to River Edge Podcasts. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Father, in this place today, we cry out for a fresh revelation of the safety of Lordship. The safety of being surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. The safest place for our lives is not living how we want, but living alive in Jesus Christ by the power of the Spirit, in love with the Father. Lord, the world would say that the safest place to be, the best place to be is where you want, doing what you want. But Lord, there is coming a time right now for the church of Jesus Christ of a fresh revelation of what it means to be submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and how that is the most freeing place to be. It is not a place of restriction, a place of narrowing, a place of confinement, but it is a place of life and a place of enlargement and a place of safety and a place of security and a place Lord God where your kingdom can come and your will can be done on earth Lord it's a time of God accepting Jesus as Savior but also as Lord King of Kings and Lord of Lords and we declare together as one Jesus Christ is Lord come on church Say, Jesus Christ is my Lord. He is my King. He is my God. Lift your voice, my friends. Come on, declare who your God is to you today. Let the demons of hell hear you testify about your God. Let the person on your left and on your right hear you testify. Come on, church. Lift your voice. You are Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. You are majesty in heaven. You're enthroned on the praises of your people. You are glorious. Oh, you are wonderful, almighty God. And we exalt you and we extol you. We are not ashamed of the gospel. We are not ashamed of the name of Jesus Christ. We will not come silently. We will not go silently. We will not hide our light. We will not hide our lamp. We will not cover it over. But Lord, we declare that Jesus Christ is the only name by which people can be saved. We want to come afresh near the start of this new year, this new season. And we want to put a banner over our lives and a banner over this church and prophetically and by faith, a banner over this this town, this city, this region, this nation, the nations of the earth. And the banner reads, Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. He is King of Kings and He is Lord of Lords. He is not one among many. He is not equal to anyone else. He is far above. You never stop being Lord. But Lord, in our lives and through our lives, you limit yourself to our acceptance, our confession, and our agreement to your Lordship. And we come and we're in. We're in. Wholehearted. Fully abandoned. 
For some even in this room today, or maybe you've had, oh yes, you love God, but you also love your own life and you love the things of the world. And God says today is a day to consecrate yourselves, to set your part, uh, yourself aside for the goodness and the purposes of God. This is not a time for the church to live with the foot in both camps because it is actually not physically possible in the spirit realm. God says, choose this day whom you will serve. The Bible says you're for me or against me. And Lord, there is no middle ground. And today afresh, we say, Lord, we are for you. We are for you. We are for you, God, knowing that you are for us and not against us. So we start today saying, God, we give you everything. Come on, in your own words, take a moment. Give him everything. Give him everything. Give him everything. Lord, my strengths I give to you, my weaknesses. Come on. My faith, I give it to you. My fear, I give it to you. Oh, God, the things I'm sure about, I give to you. The things I doubt and question, I give to you. My family, I give to you. Do you know that your family is safer in God's hands than they are in your hands? And so, God, we surrender, we yield, we give you everything. Our thoughts, our preconceived ideas, our traditions about what it looks like to walk with God and to hear from God, right now we give it to you. And we're asking for fresh manner, fresh revelation, a now word, a word that shifts us from where we have been to where you're taking us. Lord, right now we have open hands and open hearts. Come on. I was going to say if you feel comfortable, but even if you don't feel comfortable, lift your hands to heaven. Go out beyond your comfort zone right now to the God who laid on the cross for you, died on the cross for you. Come on, lift yourselves up, abandon yourselves in God. Fill me, Holy Spirit, afresh. Fill me, Spirit of wisdom and revelation in this place. We yield, we submit. We love you. We love you. We love you. We love you. We praise your holy name. Lord, Lord, in our time today, in the next hour and a half, would you speak all that you want to say? And would you help us, all of us, to hear what your spirit is saying? And Father, when we get to a time of impartation, laying on our hands, Lord, let there be a transference from your spirit to every life here today. May we truly leave, as Pastor Stephen said, changed by the spirit and the power of God, not of a man, not of a woman, not of flesh, not of blood, but by the spirit of the living God. And all the hungry, 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 hungry people who love to gather together in the presence of God shouted, Amen. Say it again. Amen. Amen. One more time. Amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you, Paul. Good afternoon, friends. Oh, it's so good to be back in the land of the living. Oh, aren't you glad that the steps of good people are ordered by the Lord and not by COVID-19? Aren't you glad that Jesus Christ is still on the throne? Come on, we need to remind ourselves of the truth.
We're going to honour your time. It's such a joy and privilege for Sally and I to be back with you guys. Uh, if there's people here that haven't been here since February last year and go, who just stole the microphone from Pastor Stephen. My name's Steve. This is my beautiful wife, Sally. And uh, it's our privilege. This is our eighth year of being with you guys uh, every year and sometimes multiple times. Uh, we don't see this anywhere else, and I know this is being recorded, so if you're from another church and you hear this, tough. Um, but this is our favorite place to come. And the fact that this is the first time we've been on ministry trips since March last year. In fact, we've only been on one other ministry trip since we were with you guys in February last year, as far as on a flight and, and stuff like that. Just let you know, planes, they still exist. Um, but you just got to look like a robber to go on them. There was a time we used to walk into a bank with a mask on and you'd be looked at funny. But now if you don't, you look that funny. This too shall pass. But it is such a privilege and honor to be back with you. We don't consider that we're visiting ministry because we're family. Isn't that right, Adrian? Brother from another mother. And we are just love to be with you guys. But we honor God. We honor God. We love his word. And so we're going to honor and we're going to get into it. Um, I'm not sure what your expectation is today, but I'll tell you what's happening. <laughs> um, this is a prophetic empowerment weekend. And, it's, and I want you to focus on this. This is about the Father's intention from today and tomorrow and yesterday is this, that we come out of it, all of us, with an increased desire and ability to hear God speak. Anyone want that? Or is anyone here reckon like, I don't need to hear God anymore, I'm good. If so, then you need to hear God speak. We need to hear him more and more. And so we want to place that in. I'm going to share for a, little, for a bit. And uh, I was going to say a little bit, but let's just go a bit. Remove the word little. And then my beautiful wife is going to download for a bit as well. And then, as I said, I, th I feel that it would be really wonderful to pray for everyone in the room and lay uh, hands on you because something gets transferred in the spirit realm. But let me just sit it up right now so for the next hour and a half, you're really, really, really just continually stirring your hearts. This is what God said to me. When we pray for you, what we're going to do is this. You're going to come believing that you're going to receive from God gifts of God that are going to do you and other people good. Eagerly desire. So you're going to come, God, I want what you want to give me so that I can be a blessing to others. And all we're going to come and do is come along and lay hands on you and agree with you and say, amen, God, we release it and impart it and keep on going. Is that cool? I'm telling you that right now ahead of time because I can't do, we can't do your desiring for you. We can just do the agreement. We can't do your desiring. We can't do your seeking. We can't do your receiving. That's only up to you. So what we get out of this weekend is what we actually go to God with and say, God, come on, I want all of you. God is looking for some spiritual gluttons. I wonder if the sin of gluttony is because it's a natural and in the flesh, but the, the gluttony in the spirit is God, I want more. Come on, I want more. Because doesn't it say in Hebrews 11, 6, I'm already off track, isn't this great? you got to realize I've got about 10 months of pent-up preach in me right now. So help me, church. 
Help me, church. Hebrews 11, 6 says, By faith, Without faith it's impossible to please God. And anyone who comes to God must believe that He exists. And He rewards those who earnestly, diligently, with gluttony in the Spirit. God, I want more, I want more, I want more. He rewards those who chase after Him. He rewards those like Jacob who says, I'm not letting you go until you bless me. There is more and I want the more. Sometimes we want more of the things of the flesh than we want of the things of the Spirit. But I want to be one who receives all that God's got in the Spirit. I'm, I'm convinced that I'm going to start my note soon. Praise God. Father, let revelation drop into our spirits. I know you've done it, but one more time, lift your hands. Spirit of wisdom and revelation. My words will change nothing. Your spirit alone changes everything. Say it out of your mouth, say it loud. Holy Spirit, I receive fresh manna in Jesus' name. I've got three areas I want to speak into. I want to start with this. God wants to speak to us. I want to talk about God wants to speak to us for a few minutes. You want to say, yeah, of course I know that. I'm going to be honest with you, and I pray you're honest with yourself. Many times we believe that God has spoken, and maybe that God even does speak, but I'm not sure He really wants to speak to me because, after all, I'm just me. The starting point of hearing God is a belief that God actually speaks. This is where God commanded me to start from. Don't switch off, lean in deeply here. God wants to speak to you, God wants to speak to me, God wants to speak to us. Two things as I start in this. We need to understand that God is the Word. And I'm going to show you this in the Scripture. I'm going to teach. Is that okay? I'm going to teach you. I'm going to prophesy. I'm going to teach. Tomorrow morning, I'm going to get my teach on, and I'm going to get my prophesying on. So come on, draw it out of me, church. Because you don't need eloquent words. We need the Word of God. And in this, the starting point of God wants to speak, we need to understand that God is the Word. That's number one. But number two, words speak. You need to understand God speaks because He is the Word. That's what words do. This is simple already. It's profound though, isn't it? We go, I don't know if God wants to speak. He's the Word. That's what He does. Mm. <laughs> John 1. John 1. It says in verse 1, In the beginning was, shout it at me, come on. In the beginning was the Word. Come on, I could have said anything here. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. The Word was God. God was the Word. Who are we talking about here? It's not the Father. It's not the Holy Spirit. It's the Son. It's the Son. It's the Son. And you need to understand, Jesus was, you know, He lived here on the earth for 33 years. But we need to know that we're talking about the eternal Son of God. Not just the man who walked on the earth, the eternal Son of God. Are you with me? And he was with God from the beginning. And through him, who? Through the Word, all things were made. You need to understand everything was made by the Word. Without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life. 
Everything was made by the Word. Life comes from the Word. And that life was the light of mankind. And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. What? The Word. You need to know that life, creation, the power to overcome is in the Word. And the Word is God. Genesis 1.3. And God said, who are we talking about? We're not. We're talking about the Son. The Father didn't speak. The Holy Spirit didn't speak. It was the Son, the Word. All things were made by Him. The Word spoke. You need to understand you got two things together, which are the Word spoke. God said. Why? Because that's what the Word does. I'm here to tell you, if you're saying, I'm not sure God wants to speak to me today, I'm wanting to lay a foundation from the very, very start. He speaks because that's what the Word does. Are you with me already in the simplicity of this? I don't know if He wants to. That's what the Word does. I am not a man that I should lie. I'm not the son of man that I should change my mind. I'm the same yesterday. I'm the same today. And I am the same forever. I am the Word. I am the Word. And I speak and something is created. John 1, 14. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. And we have seen His glory. The glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. I want to tell you from the start, when the Word speaks, it will always be full of grace and it will always be full of truth. When God speaks to you, because God wants to speak, because He is the Word, and what does the Word do? The Word, come on, talk to me, the Word, it will always be full of grace and will always be full of truth. We live in a time where people say almost on one side of the camp or the other, it's all about grace, it's all about truth. I want to declare if it is truly God, it will be full of grace and it will be full of truth. It will be 100% grace and it will be 100% truth. There's no such thing about a mixture. There's no such thing about 50% grace and 50% truth. It is always full of grace. You can't get anything else in there. It's full of grace and it is full of truth. You can't get anything else in there. God's desire to speak to us is greater than our desire to hear him speak. Did you hear what I just said? I'm t- I, I'm, this is the first thing. God desires to speak. Why? Because he is the word and the word. God's desire to speak because that's what he does is greater than my desire to hear. Let's get our, let's get our theology right. I hope this is already just opening your spirits. God, I wonder if you want to speak to me. I wonder. That stops today. That stops today. Never again. God, do you want to speak to me? God is the Word, and the Word speaks. I am enjoying myself this Our starting point to hearing God speak is a belief that God wants to speak. Have you received it? Second thing I want to say is that God wants us to hear what He is saying. First thing, 
God wants to speak to us. I've settled it. Have you settled it? Why? Because he is the word. And what does the word do? He speaks. He never doesn't speak. That's what he does. He's never not who he is. Come on. I've said it before, but you and I can have moments when we do something out of character. Someone flips the lid and goes, that was so out of character. God's never been out of character. And God is the word. And the word speaks. I'm never not who I am, says the Lord. So if you say, God, do you want to speak to me? He goes, don't ask dumb questions. The question is, God, what do you want to say to me? It's not, God, do you want to speak to me? We've got to stop asking. It's There's the first one. <laughs> God, you speak. What do you want to say? And this is the second thing. God wants us to hear what he wants to say. One verse I want to read to you. from Revelation chapter 2, verse 7. And you can see this seven times from Revelation 2 and 3. You might know these first few words. If you've been in church for a while, it says this. Whoever has ears. What does it say? Come on. Let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious. I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Let me tell you what I believe God is saying. Being victorious and eating of the tree of life that is in the paradise of God is connected to our ability to hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Hmm. I can't be victorious if I'm not hearing what the Spirit says. In a moment of decision, of temptation, if I can hear what the Spirit says, then I can do what the Spirit says and I can be victorious. Are you with me? And so I want to say three things on this very, very quickly about hearing what God wants to say. Here's the first thing. God wants us to hear what He actually wants to say. I mean, that's profound. The first point is this, I believe that God actually wants us to hear what he wants to say. This is so simple, you go, I'll get it. No, I need you to get it. I don't need to hear what I want to hear. I need to hear what God wants to say. I've probably said it here before, but I'm saying it again. I'm just laying this foundation. He who has ears, let them hear what the Spirit, not the what the world, not what the news Not what my feelings, not what my past, not what my tradition, not what my faith, come on, not what my fear, not what my anxiety, not what my worry, not what my sister, my brother, my father, my mother, come on, not what anyone says. I need to hear what the Spirit is saying. And it says to the churches, it doesn't say to the individual. There are certain things that will only be spoken in a corporate gathering together of the saints. Coronavirus did some good things and took us deeper in God. But some have actually adopted what was necessary for a season by governmental decree, which is you can't gather together. And some have got so comfortable with that that we have shrunk back from gathering together as some are in the habit now of doing. But I'm encouraging to meet all the more as you see 
see the day of the Lord approaching because there are some things that I'll only speak when two or three are gathered together in my name. There are some things that you need that will not be spoken privately in your prayer closet. Why? Because God is never out of character with himself. Father, Son, Holy Spirit exists together in perfect harmony. We are now one body, fitly joined together, supplying everything the body needs. If one falls down, woe to him if they walk alone, because who is going to pick them up? Come on, bear you one another's burdens. Two or three gather together, I am there in the midst. Come on, when my brethren dwell together in unity, I command a blessing that's going to come down. It says, you have ears to hear, let you hear what the Spirit says to the churches, to the churches, to the churches in this environment. Come on, the day of Pentecost was not when one of the disciples was in their prayer closet for 40 days and 40 nights fasting and praying. But when they come together and they say, we're not leaving until you pour out your spirit. It sounds a little bit like Jacob to me. I'm not going until you do what you said you would do. You cannot be victorious alone. Okay, I've had 10 months of rest and I'm exhausted. <laughs> Having, hearing what God wants to say. Second thing under this is hearing what God wants to say, however God wants to speak. So many times we miss what God is saying because he didn't say it how we thought he would say it. Don't put God in a box. Hmm. Okay, here's what the Holy Spirit's saying to me right now. We think we sometimes put God in a box of expectation, but God says, no, you put me in a box of limitation. Sometimes our expectation is limitation. God will do it like this. There's no way that God would speak through a burning bush. God just wouldn't do that. By no means would he speak through a donkey. He would not write on the wall. He would not tell me to dip in the Jordan seven times. He would not spit and make mud and throw it in my eyes. He wouldn't call that woman a dog. Come on. He just wouldn't speak like that. How many people have missed God speaking because he didn't speak how we think he should? Like we should be describing to God and determining, God, you speak like this. The Bible says, don't, the creator should not say to the creator, why have you made me this way? I want to say we should not say to God, why are you speaking that way? Let's not miss God because he speaks in a completely foreign way. The third thing on that is this. We need to hear God, what God wants to say, how he wants to speak, and we need to hear the whole counsel of the word of God. We need to hear the whole counsel of the Word of God. You, on a sustained basis, will not hear God clearly if you don't know what the whole Bible says. We have so many people claiming a word from God from an isolated scripture. And we, okay, this is not mine. I've heard someone else say it, but it comes to me right now. No person is being given the responsibility of interpreting Scripture. Scripture interprets 
Scripture. So the whole counsel of the Word of God, Paul says, I, Paul said this in the book of Acts chapter 20, verse 27, for I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Come back tomorrow morning. We're going we're gonna to jump off the 10-meter platform, okay? But let me just say right now, I said two things. Number one, God wants to speak to us. Why? Because God is the, and the word. So God wants to speak to us more than we want to hear from him. So no longer will we ever say, does God want to speak to me? But we're going to say, God, what do you want to say? Are you with me, church? Come on, this is going to change. This is going to change some things in our lives. It changes from question. A question in the negative, do you want to speak to me? To God, what do you want to say? There's faith in that. There's anticipation in that. There's doubt in this one. There's fear and I'm not sure that he wants to. Did God really say? Is that who God really is? Come on, the enemy from the very beginning questions. They question the nature of God. Do you want to speak to me, God? Questions the nature of God because God is the word and the word speaks. No longer and never again do I want to question the nature of God. I want to step into the nature and with anticipation and expectation, God. God, I want to hear what your spirit is saying to the churches. Present tense. What are you saying? What are you saying? Not just what have you said, not will you say, but you are speaking now. Why? Because God is the word the word speaks. So here's the third thing I want to say. And I want to talk about how to hear God speak. Anyone interested? Great. Five of you. Here's a, I just want to make this statement and then I'm going to give you three things. I'm going to labor just for a few minutes on the uh, first one. And then I want to mention two more. Before I hand over to Sal. But this next thing, if anything, is the key thing for the whole weekend. Did you hear me? This is the weight that the Spirit is putting on it. This is the weight that the Spirit, not me, the weight that the Spirit is putting on it. And before I tell you what that is, I want to say, if you want to hear God speak more clearly, because remember, God is the Word, and the Word speaks, and He wants to speak more than I want to hear. God says, don't put a formula on it. Don't make a formula out of it. But there are some ingredients. And I'm going to give you just three. And the first one is the most important one, Paul, for the whole weekend. Are you ready? Are you ready? Number one, be a person of God's word. That is the most important thing you will hear this whole weekend. I'll tell you how important it is. Two statements I want to start with, and then we're going to step through the word. About a year ago, when I meditated on this whole thing of hearing from God, and people hearing from God, and people saying, I, I, I really need a word from God, and God's not speaking on this, and I need to hear from Him, and even asking me for words, and and maybe that's your story of your life, or times in your life. It's the time in my life, time in all of our lives. But I'm I'm meditating on this with the Father, and He spoke to me so clearly, and He said this, and this is the starting point for this today. Is that He said, "This is God speaking to you and to me." He said, "When it comes to hearing from God, give me some word to work with." 
the Holy Spirit, if you go, I need to hear God's direction for my life, then God says to you, give me some word to work with. You go, what do you mean by that? Let me give you the next statement, and then I'll just start to expound on this. The second statement he said to me only in the last week coming into this, and this is what he said to me about being with you this weekend. He said, if you can get, Steve, this God speaking to me, if you can get them to fall in love with my word, everything else will take care of itself. If you can get them to fall in love with my word, everything will take care of myself. Give me some word to work with, says the Holy Spirit of the living God. The main way that God speaks is through his word, but we want something more wow. We want the writing on the wall. We want the burning bush. We want the donkey speaking. We want a prophetic word. We want the prophet to pray of us. We want some wow moments. We want goosebumps to accompany what we got by some wow thing. And God says, give me some word. Now, he is the word. But the psalmist says in Psalm 119 verse 11, I have hidden your word in my heart. Why? So that I might not sin against you. You don't sin against God if you've heard what God is speaking and you're keeping in step and how do you hear what God is speaking by knowing the word and storing it up on the inside Jesus overcame temptation by declaring it is written he didn't get a word from someone else he stored the word he gave the word he gave God some word to work with the spirit recalls to our memory what we have stored up in our heart And we're wanting God to do some storing up in our heart. And God says, that's your part. You cannot get a better way of hearing God speak than saturation in God's word. Listen to me clearly. You cannot get a better way of hearing God speak than saturation in God's word. Why? Because God is the Word and the Word speaks. You might be saying, this is so simple, get onto the meat. If you, This is the meat. God is the Word and the Word speaks. Give me some Word to work with. Let's go to the book of Psalm 119. If you want some wonderful light reading, not really. You want to go deep, meditate for a while on Psalm 119. There's only 176 verses, won't take you long. Get into it. Get it in you. But I want you to hear what David wrote. Are we good, church? Are we good? I I, I sense you're good. I sense you're leaning and I sense that you're receiving. You're going to leave this. If you get this one thing, you're going to hear from God continually. If you don't get this one thing, You'll keep on chasing a word from something else, and you'll keep on being dissatisfied. Did you hear me? This is where I get my revelation from primarily. I want to encourage you. Let's see what King David wrote in Psalm 119. I'm just going to step through a few. Verse 18, just jot it down if you're taking notes, but let me just read it. He says, open my eyes. How many people know he's not talking about physical eyes? Come on, let's keep on talking with me here. Open my eyes that I might see wondrous things in your law. 
you need to understand as we're about to read through a few of these verses where it says law, statutes, commands. You need to understand that's God's word. Everyone say God's word. This was written at a time before the, the New Testament was even lived or printed. It was before we had the Bible as we were, but from the law of Moses, which was the word of God. Are you with me? So this is God's word. Everyone shout it out again. One more time. Open my eyes, God. Open my spiritual eyes. Open my ears. I want to see. I want to hear. Give me revelation to see wonderful things in your word. You want to hear God speak. You want your eyes open. It's not going to come primarily through a prophetic word from someone else. It's going to come as you get into God's word with a view of saying, God, I need to see wonderful things in your word. Verse 24. Your statutes, your word, your word is my delight. Listen, they are my counselors. I need you to hear the word of the Lord. God, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to get through this. Your word is my counselor. Sometimes we're going to other people more than we're going to God. We need a ream of word from God, not just a good word from someone else. I'm not against talking. I've been to counselors. I've done all that sort of stuff, and I would do it again if I needed to. And I want to encourage you, if you need to need, go to it. But the primary place that we should get our counsel from, that we should get our hope from, that we should get our contentment from, that we should get our peace from, that we should get our acceptance from, is from the God of the Word, and He speaks through His Word. Verse 27, cause me to understand the way of your precepts. Cause me to understand your word that I may meditate on your wonderful deeds. Are you hearing the word of the Lord? Why? Because God is the word and the word speaks. Verse 30, I have chosen the way of faithfulness. Anyone want to? Come on, anyone want to choose the way of faithfulness? How do I do that? Semicolon, I have set my heart on your law. I have set my heart on your wall. I want to walk faithful. God says, great, then get in my word because that will shape you and refine you and transform you and you'll hear me speak and then you can walk in the ways of God. But God, I just need a word. I just need a word. Get into my word and then you'll get a word. Verse 32, I run in the path of your commands. I run in the path of your commands, of your word, for you have broadened my understanding. Come on, we talk about running free, not, to, not stepping tentatively. You want to run in life? Then run, then run in the path of God's word. Why? Because you're broadened. Woo! My understanding, verse 47 and 48, for I delight in your commands because I love them. I stand before you today and say I love God's word. I reach out for your commands, which I love, that I may meditate on your decrees. This is all about God speaking to us, communing with us. Verse 67, and I'm almost done here. Before I was afflicted. I, just, I need you to hear this. Please, please. This is King David. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. I just need you to understand what he's talking about. Before I was afflicted, before my son was taken as a punishment 
for what I did before I went astray. I was afflicted because I went astray. My son was taking him. Why? Because I was in a place where I shouldn't have been. And I lusted after a woman. And then I took her and took advantage of her. And I got her pregnant. And then I plotted to kill her husband. This is a bad place. And he says, before I was afflicted, before God, you took my son, I actually went astray, but now I obey your word. I went astray because I wasn't focusing on what you were saying to me. I was focusing on what I wanted and what I desired. I was in the flesh, not in the spirit. But I have come back and you have brought me back. How many praise God that it is never too late for God to bring us back. And God would bring us back and say, now don't do it according to the flesh and your desire. But if you live according to what I say in my word, then you will prosper and be successful and be fruitful. I'm just going to jump to the next thing now. Let me just give you one last one. Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. Anyone heard that scripture? Listen to what it says. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. What is this talking about? This is, this is talking about knowing what to do step by step. A lamp is candle. In the Hebrew, this is like a candle. A lamp to my feet is literally the next step. Have you ever asked God, God, what should I do next? God, what is the next thing I should do? Aren't we asking him that? Come on. Well, I want to hear God. I don't want to do my own thing. I need to know the next step. God says, well, God's word is where he'll speak to you about that. This is how simple this is, people. And light means illumination to my path means horizon. So in this one verse, it says, if you want to know the next step of life, it's in the Word. If you want to know what God's big picture plan is for your life, it's in the Word. No, just give me a prophetic word. Just do something well. And God says, give me some word to work with. Why? Because God is the Word. And the word speaks. Are you going to remember the statement? God is the word. God is the word. God is the word. He doesn't deny who he is. He doesn't change who he is. Amen. Be a person of God's word. Second thing, just by way of a comment, is be a person of intimacy with God's heart. God said to me, exchange religious duty for passionate pursuit. Change religious duty. For passionate pursuit. But God, you should be impressed. I read my Bible today. Nowhere in the Bible does it say, read the Bible. Find me a verse. It says, store it up in your heart. It says, meditate on day and night. It says, do not let this word depart from your mouth. Come on. We go, I've never done my religious duty. God says, let's get rid of that. This is passionate pursuit. I've got you and I want you more. I know you. I want to know you more. I've heard you, but I want to hear you afresh today. God says there's fresh manna every day. There is a fresh word for you every day. Where do I find it? Why? You're getting it. 
Psalms 119.58 says, I have sought your face with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your promise. Be a person who seeks God's face, not just his hands, not just one who wants to seek him. Seek him. Amen. And the final thing I want to say as I hand the baton over to Sally, strap your seatbelts on people, is this. Number one, be a person of God's word. Be a person who is intimate with God's heart. Number three, be a person who takes time to listen. This verse I read to you didn't start with, Revelation 2, 7. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says. God drew me to the first three words. Whoever has ears. The person who is listening, hears. Whoever has ears, let them hear. If you're listening, you will hear. But then he showed me something else. Whoever has ears, let them hear. This invitation to hear is for anyone who has ears. For anyone who can listen, God says, this is for you. I need you to hear the two things I just said. If you listen, you will hear. But if you want to listen, you will hear. Some of you aren't getting what I'm saying. If you listen, you will hear. But if you want to listen, you will hear. Whoever has ears. <laughs> it's like God saying, it's my will that none should perish. And we go, I don't know if it's God's will for them to perish or not. It's my will that none should perish. Who, who is this for? Let you hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Who is that for? It's for the uh, super religious, the super spiritual. It's for the prophets and the teachers. No, whoever has ears, that's who it's for. Are you hearing the simplicity? So take time to listen because whoever has ears, God says, go, I'm going to speak. But give me some word to work with because God is the word and the word speaks. How do we listen? Number one, don't fill up every space. Sometimes we say, I want to hear God speak, and then we talk flat chat to him. Be quiet. Listen. And number two, my f final thing is incline your ear. It's a bit of a biblical statement, but it's the one that God said to me. And the word incline means to stretch or spread out, to turn aside. What did Moses do at the burning bush? He inclined his ear. He turned towards that which was rustling, that which was speaking. Are you turning your ear? Are you turning aside? Are you stretching toward God's word to hear and speak? Or are you like just flippantly turning through? Do you want to hear God speak? Incline your ear and take time to listen. Praise God. Do you receive the word? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to welcome my wonderful wife up, and I want you to continue to receive and drink deeply because I know that she's going to drop the word into your spirit. She's going to speak for a while, and then we're going to finish up, and we're going to lay hands 
on everyone that says, I want to hear God. I want to stir up the gifts. I don't want to be on the sidelines. I don't want to be a spectator. I want to be a participator. I said to a church that I said I ministered to on Thursday just before we came that the greater question is not what am I called to do, but who is the church called to be? And if I can get a glimpse into the eternal purposes of God, then I can say, God, what is my part in what you are doing on this earth? It shifts it from it's about me to it's about the body of Christ. It's about the world that God so loved. It's about how do I fit in? And we want to lay hands and impart to you at the end of this session on God speak to me because I want to be a part of the answer. Come on. There's enough people being a part of the problem. We need to be part of the answer. We need to be a, vo- a church that has a voice, but a voice that strengthens, encourages, and comforts and brings hope and life. Mm. Sally, come and take this thing from me. Yeah, come on. Praise God. Woo. I don't know where to start after that. Wow. The word speaks. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Steve. Can we just all stand for a moment? I know you've been sitting for a while. Can we just... Can we just stir ourselves up? I want to share on stirring ourselves up in the Spirit, in the gifts of the Spirit. So I just want us to actually, if you have a heavenly language, I just want you to start speaking in tongues. If you don't know a heavenly language, start speaking out that Jesus is Lord. He is worthy of our praise. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. We stir up our spirit today. We stir up our spirit. We put aside our flesh and we come to you to hear your voice today, Lord. We thank you for your word. The word speaks. We receive it today. We receive your word. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the power of your spirit, the power of your anointing, the power of your word. Oh, Lord, we worship you today. We worship you. We adore you. You are worthy of all of our praise. Worthy of our praise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You may be seated. What a word. What a word, hey. I just want to share some things with you today about stirring up the gifts of the Spirit. Stirring up the gifts of the Spirit. You know, uh, if you're not stirred up after that word from Steve, then I don't know what's wrong with you, but you need to wake up from your coma. Steve has stirred us up today. I don't know about you, but do you feel stirred up in your spirit? It wasn't just Steve spoke the word. You know, that's what revelation is. It's when the word becomes alive in us. And so I want to speak today on stirring up the gifts of the Spirit, stirring up the Spirit. So we're going to start with some scripture. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. For those of you who know your word, you may know this scripture. We're going to start at verse 4. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, did you get that? Everyone. In everyone, it is the same God at work. Same spirit, different gifts, different working, same God for everyone. Now get this, this is my favorite. Now to each 
one. To each one, a manifestation of the Spirit is given. Why? For the common good. For building up the church. And to each one, not just to some of you, not just to special people, not just to people who hold a microphone, not just to people who worship on the stage, not just to people who greet at the door or who are called to uh, minister in the church, not just to people who are on staff at the church, to everyone, whether you work in a bank or a school or a shop or down the road in Nash Cafe, it doesn't matter where you are, to each one a manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. Why does Paul keep saying this? Because we've got to get the message, people. Different gifts, same Spirit. There's not different Holy Spirits. It's the same Spirit of God. Now, where was I up to? Ah, to another, miraculous powers. Woo! to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. My first point I want to make today is that the gifts of the spirit are for every believer. It says in Acts, repent and be baptized and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Not you might, you will. You know, the Holy Spirit, yes, is for us. The Spirit resides in us. Counselor, comfort, friend, direction. But the Spirit is also for a manifestation. That's the evidence of the spiritual that we can't normally see that is invisible. It becomes evident. It becomes visible because we see the demonstration of it. And it, for, it is for each believer. I want to read another scripture here in Romans 12, verse 6 to 8. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith, not with Pastor Stephen's faith, your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. You know, this is something for every believer. There are gifts given by God which are a grace given to us. Some call them talents. doesn't matter what you call them. It's the same thing. It's an expression, an evidence of something God deposits within us that then expresses through us by the power of the Holy Spirit. And why is it given? In Acts 1, I think Pastor Stephen said this um, scripture when he was exhorting us at the start, which was, um, just had a mental blank there. You will receive power when the Spirit comes upon you. Why? To be witnesses. You know, the Spirit doesn't come upon us just so that we can look fancy or have a special gift. It's so that we can proclaim the kingdom of God with power and authority. That is what the gifts of the Spirit are for, to proclaim the kingdom of God. 
the gift witnesses of the testimony of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It testifies that Jesus Christ is Lord. Why? Because when people see the evidence of those gifts, they cannot but accept the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is what the gifts are for. And when I was praying about this message, I really felt something Father laid on my heart, which was this scripture in 1 Timothy 4 verse 14. Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Now, when I read that scripture, God highlighted to me the do not neglect your gift part. Now, you may not have had laying on of hands by elders, but the principle is still the same. Because God gives each one a gift, we can neglect our gift. And there's there's a few ways, and that word neglect can actually mean to overlook, to disregard, to flat out ignore, or even just to omit by carelessness. And I think the sad thing is in the body of Christ that too many believers have actually overlooked their gift. And a lot of the times that happens through misunderstanding. People, people think, oh, the gifts aren't for me. Oh, they're not for everyone. Or perhaps, oh, that was just back in the days of Jesus. But that's not the truth. Paul is speaking to the church, the body of Christ. The gifts are for every believer. They are for now. And we mustn't fail to notice the very thing that God has deposited right in front of us. Sometimes it's like God's left a shiny new red car in the driveway and we're just walking past it every day. For others of us, perhaps we've overlooked our gift because we don't like it in comparison to someone else's gift. Ooh. None of us, of course. But we can even disregard the gifts because we think it might take a bit too much sacrifice to lean into that. Or we know God is calling us to something and we don't want to pursue that. You know, we can even ignore or outright reject the gifts. Now, you might think when I say that, oh, yes, all us spiritual people wouldn't do that. Well, I'm going to admit something to you today. There was a time a number of years ago where I actually rejected a gift. I'm not proud of it. I have since repented of it. But I actually had a season of time where God was giving me the gift of discernment. I hadn't actually even asked for it. It just started happening and I was discerning things. And I was actually in a number of situations that were quite full-on and dramatic, including confronting some demonic stuff um, and even had to confront people about stuff. And it just wasn't pretty. And I actually had a big complaint at God. (laughs) Just being vulnerable here. I did. I had a big complaint at God. It's not that I actually wanted an upfront gift because even though I'm holding the microphone today, I never really desired anything like that. But I would have just preferred something that wasn't quite so full-on, actually. I'm like, I'm quite happy to serve or to give or to do some of these other things. I'm happy to stay in the background and, you know, do all this other stuff, Lord. But can I have another gift? I had to actually, I actually said, I don't want this gift. I have repented of it. But I said that. And we can, without realising it, we can reject the gift of God. This is the truth. We can reject the gift simply because we think, oh, this is, this is too much cost. This is too much cost. But Jesus didn't call us to live an easy life. 
He called us to take up our cross and follow him. Follow him. You know, and sometimes neglecting our gift isn't as serious as just outright doing what I did and saying I don't want it. But you, do you know what? You don't have to reject your gift in order to neglect your gift. You do not have to reject your gift in order to neglect your gift. Just like anything, whether it be your health, your car, a house plant, a building maintenance. Do you know how neglect often happens? Day by day, little by little. We kind of just leave it on the shelf for something that maybe I'll do when I'm feeling a bit more spiritual instead of actually stirring it up every day. Stir, stirring it up. What does it actually mean to stir up? How do we do that? Well, I'm going to go into that. Because the scripture tells us to stir up the gifts. Stir up the gifts. Stir up the gifts. It says in 2 Timothy 1.6, Therefore I remind you, this is the New King James Version, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. In the NIV it says fan into flame. So how do we actually stir up these gifts? Well, part of it Steve just talked about. Powerfully. How do you stir it up? The Word of God. The Word of God. But you can specifically stir up your gifts. And if we look at the example of Jesus, I believe this is one of the best ways to do this. Because if you start reading through the Gospels with an eye to understand what the gifts are and what Jesus is operating in, you will start to have your eyes opened. If you say, okay, what does the gift of wisdom look like? You know, most of the time it doesn't say Jesus then spoke with wisdom. But we have to have our spiritual eyes opened to see that when the woman bought, who, was, who had committed adultery was brought in front of him and Jesus was silent, the silence was wisdom. But then when he did speak, he spoke with a message of wisdom. You who are without sin cast the first stone. It doesn't tell you that Jesus just operated in the gift of wisdom. But if you look to see, if you listen to hear, the word speaks. The word will speak. So how do we stir it up? What does that look like? You know, when I was praying about this, God brought a scripture to mind and I thought, yeah, I thought that was going to happen. John 14 verse 12. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me, whoever believes in me. Is that you? Do you believe in him? Come on. Do you believe in Jesus? Okay. So let's read it again. Very truly. He's making an emphasis. Yep. This might sound strange, but this is true. Whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater than these, because I am going to the Father. Why does Paul talk to us about the gifts of the Spirit and how they work in unity with the body, all the body, the members working together? Why? Because Paul believed the truth. He believed the truth that every member can and should be stirring up the gifts, that every single person should be operating in at least one gift. Parable of the talent. 
given five and two and one, or parable of the bags of gold, depending on, on what version you're reading in it, Matthew 25. We are all given at least one gift. And guess what? They can be multiplied. If you use the five you have, you'll get five more. Maths, that equals ten. That's a lot of gifts when you read those scriptures. Use your two, you're going to get another two. The one who didn't use his, who neglected, I said his, but you know, (laughs) his or her gift, well, they got it taken off him. But if he had have used his one, he would have ended up with two. And then the two could have become four and the four could have become eight. When was the last time you read the Gospels with the thought of, okay, Jesus operated in these gifts. What would that look like if I started to expect more? more than I currently am operating in? What would it start to look like if I started to step out in faith more? If I stopped stepping back or pulling back out of fear and started stepping out? What's the worst that can happen if I go up and evangelize to this person? What's the worst that can happen? They might reject it. Is that the worst thing in your life? No, it's not. The worst thing in your life would be living a life without Jesus. So if you've got Jesus, there is nothing worse in your life because you've got the best. And that's all there is to it. And too often we back out of using the gifts of the Spirit because of one thing, fear. Fear of man usually. Fear of man will prove to be a snare particularly with the gifts of the Spirit that have anything to do with giving a word which we often lump under what we call prophetic but is essentially a divine revelation from God that we could not know any other way except if the Holy Spirit dropped it into our heart. And we pull back in fear. Oh, what if it's wrong? Do you know what? If you, if you want to start stirring up the gifts, let me give you a clue. You may sometimes get it wrong. This is no guarantee of getting it right. But you have no guarantee of getting it right ever unless you actually step out. David McCracken has a great saying. He says, everyone wants to walk on water, but no one wants to get out of the boat. Isn't that so true? Oh, I'd love to give a prophetic word. Oh, I'd love to have a word of knowledge for that person. Oh, I'd love to see healing. I'd love to see miraculous powers at work. Well, when was the last time you stepped out and and did something? When was the last time you prayed and prayed again? And it doesn't matter if you didn't see them healed, but then you prayed again for another person. And then you evangelized again to another person. And then you asked for a word of encouragement for another person and texted them. When was the last time we did it? Because unless we start stirring it up day by day, starting with our thoughts... You know, 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1, eagerly desire, we've heard that a couple of times today, eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. But we can't eagerly desire something and pursue something unless we're actually doing something about it. And I believe there's three ways we can do it. And Steve's already covered one way, so I'm not even going to go there. But we have to stir it up in thought first. We have to think about the gifts meditate on them. When you read the word, meditate on the gifts. Study them, pursue them. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. That means our motivation has to be love, love for others, love to build up the church. But I think there's a bit of a hidden meaning there. 
follow the way of love. Think about, for those of you who are married or perhaps got a girlfriend or boyfriend, when you are in love, you think about them all the time. When you love a sport, you think about when, it's, when your team's going to be playing next on the weekend. When you love gardening, you're thinking about when you can get back in the garden. It doesn't matter what it relates to. Following the way of love means stirring up a hunger and a desire so that the things of the Spirit are in our minds. It's not, it doesn't start with the action. It actually starts with our thoughts. And then it starts with our words, and Steve has powerfully spoken on the word today, so I'm not going to go into that at all. But you have to then speak out in agreement with what the word says. We know the scripture about the power of confession. Life and death is in the power of our tongue. If you are constantly telling yourself, either out loud or in your thoughts, I can't do this, or this is too much for me, or I'm not sure if God wants me to do this, or I'm not sure if this is actually my gift then you are never going to step out in the power of the Spirit because you are controlling, you are, you are squishing down the power of the Spirit with your logic. And your logic is not in alignment with the Word. And when your logic stays in alignment with your self-fear rather than the Word, you will continue to neglect your gift. You can only stir up your gift when you come into alignment with the Word. Come into alignment and let your words come into alignment. Tell yourself, I am a believer. Therefore, I have been given spiritual gifts. So today, pray it out. Ask for them. God, I ask for your gifts. I ask you to give me a word for someone, a word of encouragement. I ask that you would, if you know you've got a gift of serving or of giving, Lord, is there someone who needs something today? Would you give me a a divine word that this person is in need? Give me a divine word. Every gift there, even when it doesn't look like it's about hearing from God, operates with the Spirit. Serving, where can I serve? Giving, where can I give? Encouraging, where can I encourage? And that's when the power of the Spirit's at work. Not just when you do it in the natural and go, oh, well, I think I have a gift of serving, so I'll just serve here. And then you sit, sit quietly and do, do your little thing. Sure, that's great, but you've got to do it in the power of the Spirit. And that comes when we ask for it. We have to ask, stir it up, and then you have to action it and position yourself to be ready for every prompting. Now, sometimes stirring up the Spirit and hearing from the Spirit can be a bit ambiguous. So I've actually got a bit of a visual demonstration today. Um, Props, I know, this is my first prop, so woohoo for props. Can someone actually bring, carry this over, maybe somewhere over here? But I actually want to give you a demonstration of what happens when the Holy Spirit drops a thought into our spirit. Because our spirit is always alive. Our spirit never dies, okay? Our spirit is eternal, but our spirit can be jolly dormant. It can be dormant. It's not dead, but it's sitting pretty still. Okay, and the reason I've got this here is because I want to demonstrate what happens when the Holy Spirit drops a thought into our spirit. Now, if we don't really believe that the gifts of the Spirit are for us, I have a little prop here. This is my, this is my um, demonstration of a thought from the Holy Spirit. You just have to use your imagination, okay? It's, it's just what worked with the prop. 
And when the Holy Spirit drops a thought into your spirit, if you have not stirred up your spirit, if you do not believe that what God says is true, watch what happens when I drop this in. Nothing. It's just going to sit there. In fact, if we leave it sit there long enough, it'll just get waterlogged and it'll actually just sink to the bottom. But nothing happens. Why? Because our spirit's not actually ready for it. Our spirit's not ready for the word. It's just going to sink to the bottom and that prompting that we receive to give, to speak, to go, to serve, to encourage is just going to sink. It sunk. Nothing happened with it. Why? Because our spirit was dormant. have to get wet now. When we start to stir up our spirit, when we start to believe what the word says, when the word speaks and we come into alignment with it, when we say, I receive your gifts, Lord, I believe that every believer has a gift. I believe I have a gift. I believe I can speak by divine inspiration to other believers. I believe I can become a part of the body of Christ that functions not just on a Sunday, but on a Monday and a Tuesday. This is what we do to our spirit. We stir. Now, we're not the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't take this analogy the wrong way. This is not power. This is us stirring ourselves up. You would have felt it this morning when we worship together, when we speak in tongues. Every time we do that, we are stirring ourselves up. We are stirring. Now the Holy Spirit comes along and drops a thought in. What happens? And we're like, whoa, what's that? Okay, um, there's a thought. Oh, I think I'm supposed to text Kim, Kim. Hey, Kim, I feel this scripture for you. It's on peace. I just really pray that you have a peaceful day today. And Kim was so stressed out at work. And no, you're not stressed because you have the peace of God. But Kim was really encouraged by that word. And all you've done is listen. And it's like, oh, it's still going. Oh, I actually think I'm supposed to give to someone. Do you, are you guys in need? I just really feel to give you a gift today. It doesn't matter what it is. And do you know what? It's still moving. And our spirit is not like this water. Obviously, this water is going to go back to still pretty soon. But every day when we stir ourselves up in the spirit, every day when we stir our spirit up by speaking in tongues, by coming into alignment with the word, by actually leaning into the gifts of the spirit, but also even learning about the gifts of the spirit, we are stirring our spirit up. We are stirring it up so that every time the Holy Spirit wants to drop something in there, there is movement. There is action. We're not dormant. We are ready. It's being receptive to receive what God is saying. And then those thoughts can actually take action because we're ready. We're ready to receive. And because we've come into alignment with the word, we can deliver whatever God has given us in alignment with his word, which is truly important. Thank you. I just want to finish up briefly by talking very quickly about a few gifts of the Spirit that we often get confused about when we talk about the prophetic and prophecy and, oh, I think I have a word of prophecy. You know, the prophetic is a generalised term used to describe things um, and, again, David McCracken has a great 
terminology for the prophetic, being that every believer can be prophetic, which is hearing from God clearly and communicating it or delivering it accurately. That's what it means to live a prophetic life. And every believer can and should have that. Hear from God clearly and communicate accurately. That doesn't necessarily mean it's a gift of prophecy though. You see, if you feel a scripture for someone or you just feel to pray for them or send them a text or call them, we would consider that a word of encouragement because prophecy is a gift, particularly pertains to things spoken for the future for the kingdom of God. Things pertaining to, and we use the word foretelling, which has been misused, of course, in the occult and in the psychic world, because Satan obviously likes to pervert things that were intended by God. But prophecy, particularly when we talk about a word of prophecy and also what prophets bring, prophets will often bring a corporate prophetic word to the church. But a word of prophecy usually pertains to things that are going to happen. A word of knowledge pertains to things that either are currently happening or have already happened in the past. And a word of wisdom pertains to a spiritual supernatural wisdom to cut through the confusion of an event or circumstance that could perhaps otherwise not be understood or decided. And so it's actually good to understand that kind of terminology, just so that when you feel like God's giving you a gift or you're asking for a gift, we're not misusing the gift. If God's given you a gift of encouragement, that's awesome. But Paul actually says everyone can desire prophecy. I love that. Why? Because he wants everyone to be proclaiming the kingdom of God, particularly what's coming. I think that's exciting. And so we can all stir that up. We can all encourage ourselves in those things. Now, I've got a quote here. I was reading a book on the anointing by T. Austin Sparks, and I just loved it, so I had to put it in here. He says, Anointing is for every member of the house of God to fulfill a divine appointment in the work to which God calls them while they are here on earth. Anointing is both possible and necessary, and it is for all. Don't you love that? It is both possible and necessary. You know, ask God for the anointing. Ask Holy Spirit for the anointing. You know, there's a second part of this picture that I just want to share just before I close. And the second part is this. You all saw the water stirred up and what a difference that made to when the Holy Spirit drops a thought in. But I wonder if, and maybe some of you still do this, when you were younger, did, it, did anyone ever get into a pool with a group of friends and make a whirlpool? Yes, you all know what I'm talking about. And the more people you had doing it, the stronger the current was. Well, this is actually an image of corporate anointing. And the wonderful and powerful thing is, the more we as individuals stir ourselves up during the week, when we come together in the corporate we are then multiplying the effectiveness because we are ready and stirred. Now, what happens if you have half the church that's not stirred? It creates drag. Whew. It creates drag. Why, when we were here today, was there such an easy move into the presence of God? Because you're all hungry to be here. 
But I tell you the power of this. The power of the corporate anointing is that the more we stir ourselves up, the greater the opportunity the Holy Spirit has to minister. And then when those come in who are unsaved or perhaps not sure of their faith, boy, are they carried along on the current of the Spirit. And that is why we stir ourselves up in the Spirit. Not for us. It's not for us to look good or for us to perform like monkeys. It's to build up the church but also to give glory to God. My last scripture, which you'll probably know, is Ephesians 3, verse 20 to 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work in us. His power at work in us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. That is the focus of why we stir up the gifts of the Spirit. To Christ be the glory and to build up the church. And a wonderful byproduct of that, and we see this all through the New Testament, is that unbelievers' lives are radically transformed because the gifts of the Spirit are not just for use in the church. When you start stirring up the gifts of the Spirit, they'll operate in the grocery store and in the kitchen you work in and in that office you work in and with those kids you're helping during the week. That's what the anointing is for. It's not a Sunday anointing. It's an every moment anointing. Let's not be ones who neglect the gifts of the Spirit. Let's be those who stir up the gifts of the Spirit on a day-by-day basis. Thanks for joining today. If you'd like to know more about service times or simply want to find out more about church, head to our website, riveredgechurch.com.au.